Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Every newsroom has issues and breathes not a word of it to outsiders, puts on a smiling face for the world. In the case of television news, literally puts on a smiling face for the world. Every newsroom has secrets. And we never hear most of them. They are family secrets. But as the media business collapses, more and more people are getting kicked out of their families. Many of them leave the business entirely. And that's when some of them get in touch with me. A note from Paul Tadich came my way. Paul worked for Global News for five years as a news writer and as a news producer. It ended badly. He's written a piece about it for us. It's on our website as of now. And he is ready to talk about his experience on this podcast. He's ready to talk about the grievances and the conflicts, yes. But more revealing, perhaps, is what Paul is going to say about how the making of television news changed during his time with Global. 
Now, Montreal journalist Steve Faguet has written extensively about Global's celebrated MMC news technology. And today's episode builds on his work, which you can read on his terrific blog, Fagstein. It was not until I read Paul's account that I fully understood just what Global has been up to. It's actually bonkers. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Rick O'Dell, Franklin Mendez, Zareen Kazmi, Jeff Slater, John Lott, Stephanie Dotto, Sue Frost, and Matt Baker. Hi, I'm Matt Baker, and I support Canada Land because I'm interested in hearing uncomfortable truths delivered with some wit and charm. I originally found Canada Land while looking for Canadian alternatives to the likes of John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, and Bill Maher. I can't say I found exactly what I was looking for, but I'm certainly in love with what I found. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I'm not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Paul, I want to show you a few things here. Yeah. Okay, check this out. That is seared into my well, cortex. Are getting high at York University as we enter the second week of the contract workers strike. Okay, so there's uh, Global TV's Toronto local newscast with Correct. anchor Crystal Gumansing. Correct. Now let's have a look at this here. Well, that's a bit of a startling coincidence. She appears, uh, Crystal, to be in two completely separate cities in two different time zones at the same time. I 
can hardly imagine how that could be possible. She is. There's a picture of the skyline of Saskatoon behind her. Now, now Paul, what's this? Premier Philippe Criard has long resisted the creation of an Anglophone affairs office, but today that changed. So what led to the Premier's change of heart? If you ask the opposition, it's no coincidence with the provincial election on the horizon. Well, now they're in La Belle Provence. Something even stranger is going on here, a tripartite division of some type. Paul, is Crystal Gumansing magic? Listen, having worked with her and with her uh, her uh, co-anchor, Antje Robart, you know, they're both good people. They're both competent and professional at their jobs. But I don't think they are capable of quantum teleportation. So how are they able to anchor newscasts in five different Canadian cities? The least charitable way to describe it is a news sweatshop. I'd say the most charitable way to describe it is a highly efficient, centralized news production facility that operates at a really like incredible level of output. And it's only via the good graces of the employees. Paul, we're going to get to all of this. How do they do it? Tell okay. me, explain the magic. I'm so sorry. I, I get so discursive. So they, uh, there's a room. It's a windowless bunker in Toronto in the Don Mills studio of Global Toronto called the MMC Newsroom. It sort of resembles a bit of a hangar. Uh, there's, in a rather sort of Orwellian twist, there are giant murals of each of the cities that everybody's pretending to be in bolted to the walls so you can sort of project yourself where you want to go. Wait, is there a, like an actual like picture of the skyline behind them or is it all done with green screens? Oh, no, no. This is like in the actual newsroom. There's posters. Oh, I see. Saying Montreal, Toronto, like all the different they're not cities just, they're not just They're not just anchoring the Winnipeg news from Toronto, the, 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 the Saskatoon news from Toronto. Correct. You're also producing. Correct. The Winnipeg newscast from Toronto. Correct. So they, get, so they have posters of Winnipeg in your newsroom so you could look at that poster and then be like, now I'm a Winnipeg local news you guy. Can, you, can, you can just try to imagine getting mosquito fogged right there. You know, it's just uh, that's how they want to do it. When I worked there, I finished in uh, September 2017. They had control of 11 different markets. So cities like Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Regina, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. So traditionally... People who produce the Toronto News work in Toronto. They know the city. They know the streets. They know the reporters. They know the cameramen. They know how to get the job done. In the brave new world of the MMC market model, you have one producer, me, or other people, are definitely more qualified than me in this capacity, who have been asked to produce three cities worth of news during a 10-hour shift. So a specific example for me on the weekend would be I'd come in around 1.30 in the afternoon and I'd leave at 11.30. And in that time, a typical rota of work would require me to produce the Montreal plus the Maritimes plus Winnipeg usually at the same time. So over the course of that 10-hour day... I would have to shuttle between three different cities worth of news, keeping my eye on police department feeds, Twitter feeds, uh, fire department Twitter feeds, uh, watching CP24, any opportunity I could get to get information about what was going on in that city. Because most of the time, especially on the weekends when I worked, there were there was minimum, minimal or no staffing at the local bureau that we were supposed to be producing. We have to be careful here. You might be able to say they're pretending to be in Winnipeg. Yep. You might say that. Um, they never say 
coming at you live from Winnipeg. They certainly from don't. Winnipeg. And they're very careful in their language, and, and this is all in the piece that you've written for us. But they say, here's Global News Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Then you have an anchor saying, today in Winnipeg, and here is our local weather person. Like, I think that the, the viewer could be forgiven for thinking that this is both local and live. We have established that it's not local, that it's all done from a centralized headquarters in a bunker in Toronto. Tell me about the not live part. So it isn't live. And the thing is, we all know that certain parts of the news aren't live. When uh, an anchor throws to a package, we know that the package is pre-recorded. Sometimes we see news repeated, but we know it's repeated though, because we've seen it before. Sure. Tell me about the live part. How do you do the 11 o'clock news and not be live on the air at 11? So what you're watching mostly is about four hours old. That's generally how long it takes between getting the thing recorded and getting it to air. So you're watching an, an entirely pre-recorded newscast. There are no live elements in the newscast. If something breaks, there are a couple of options. If during the shift that the anchors are on duty, so the anchors, the anchors shift from when I was there was 10 hours. Same thing as the producer. 10 hours? Yeah. It's like, it's like 10 hours of anchoring? Yes. It is a slog. Those guys are put through the ringer. Like, I am not jealous of what they do. You know, they have to read stories from different cities. Sometimes I've seen them go through 15, 16 takes of one VO just because it's coming at them relentlessly. Read Winnipeg, read Montreal, read Regina, go back, read this story, read that story. Wait a minute, is this story from Regina or is it from Saskatoon? I'm confused. Let's call the producer and find out. It is a juggling act with 150 balls in the air. That's really so they're sitting there at, at, a, at a fake desk in front of a fake backdrop, in front of a green screen that will later be swapped out for uh, Skyline. It's saying, actually, the studio is actually quite interesting. It's just a green room. That's it. There's no other features in it, just a desk and a green room. We it's throw, very claustrophobic. We found, we found some pictures of it. We threw it up on the website yeah. with your article. People should check this out. Yeah. So, And the anchor is sitting there for 10 hours yes. and, and they're doing like, hello, Toronto. Today, this happened in Toronto. And then yes. immediately they'll, they'll do it at Winnipeg and then they'll do a Saskatoon and then they'll do a Regina. According to the powers that be, there's supposed to be a very orderly system for this to happen. So from 12 to 1, this is the time that we read the Regina news. Then from 1 to 2, this is the time that we read the Montreal news. Of course, nothing ever happens like that, and stuff continually updates and breaks all the time. So the anchors read all the local news items from Winnipeg. They think it's done and dusted. They move on to the next city. Of course, something happens, you know, a pedestrian gets mowed down on a portage or something. The producer who's working that show finds out about it. They have a little console on their desk that patches into the, the, the studio, which is next door. They get on the mic, making sure not to interrupt any reads that are going on because that'll screw things up even more. They get on the mic and say, Anthony Crystal, we've got an update in this story. We need to go back to Winnipeg and read it again. So they'll stop recording Montreal or whatever it is that they're doing, throw up the background of the other city that they were recording previously, update the item have it recorded, an editor sitting in another room will cut the pictures to fit, and it all gets fed into a massive, massive database. It's kind of cool. It, it's kind of ingenious. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit of a hard-on for the technology when I was there because what you're like, it's a little bit like NASA in a way. I mean, okay, those guys actually, you know, that's not a fair comparison. But <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause and, like, and, and that makes you sort of like a rocket scientist. I mean, look, I mean, it's a hard job, but it's uh, not, you know, I'm not exactly a, a, a rocket scientist. Propulsion engineer. Right. Yes. So, uh, 
you you have all the local elements for the newscast, but every newscast has has a middle section, as I outlined in the article, where there's national, international content and like you know fun, you know fun stories about a, a skateboarding dog or whatever. So all those things are shared between all the different newscasts all across the country. Sure, I like a skateboarding dog as much as uh, my friends in Saskatoon. It, you've you've got it right on the money. Um, and so they think this is a reasonable cost sharing methodology and I th- for that sort of stuff I you know I don't give a shit they can that's fine yeah so I, I think that they you know they don't want people no. to be having this conversation but they're but you know they have announced that they're doing it in fact listen to this they're proud of it here's the headline it's a global news story global news's MMC wins Edward R Murrow award yeah. for excellence and in innovation yeah quote we are immensely proud of the MMC team, that would be you and your colleagues, uh, at Global News on winning this esteemed award and for paving the way into the future, says Troy Reeb, Senior Vice President of Global News, Chorus Radio and Station Operations. The production model has proven to be a successful experiment. It allows for more frontline news gathering and helps sustain our business. Winning this international award stands out as a career highlight, and I couldn't be prouder of the team behind this success story. And this was at, uh, again, the Edward R. Murrow Awards. This is the first time it was awarded, and it's awarded for TV or radio that has, quote, innovated their product to enhance the quality of journalism. So that's that's what I want to talk about with you right now, because what Global says about this is, hey, like everybody else, we are trying to report the news with fewer resources than ever before, and we have found ingenious technological solutions, robot-controlled cameras, centralized anchors. Is this good for journalism? Well, I mean, I would have to ask people to draw their own conclusions based on a few things that I observed. I think their natural response would be that, yes, by cutting costs in this way, we can afford to redeploy resources in more effective ways. Certainly when I was there, I saw absolutely no evidence of this sort of reallocation of resources. Mm -hmm. If anything, schedules and resources got tighter. There was a point where I was producing a Montreal newscast. Now, not everything is – not all the newscasts are pre-recorded. You know, some of the 6 o'clock ones in the bigger markets are live. Um, I don't know what they're doing now, but when I uh, left – uh, Toronto and Montreal were produced live, and I believe Montreal was going towards this pre-recorded model, so I'm not sure. So part of my job did involve producing the live Montreal newscast from Toronto, of course. Um, and there, there reached a point where they couldn't send out camera operators with the reporters. So there's a thing called back focus when you're doing a live. You make sure everything in the field of view is in focus. It's really hard to do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. And they left this poor guy standing out, you know, in the middle of a snowstorm or whatever, having to back focus his own camera, which just... You know, I, I I really didn't see any 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 boots on the ground type of evidence of this type of. So they weren't moving whatever money they saved by centralizing operations. You didn't see that being reinvested in the journalism. The process itself, though, of centralizing this and having Toronto-based journalists covering local news in Winnipeg, Regina, Saskatoon, was that good or bad for the journalism? I mean, unequivocally, I think it was a disaster. Um, and I say this for a number of reasons. Tell I me with specific that... reference to how it would how how did it hurt the news viewers experience in those, in those markets. There was one incident where there's a suburb of Winnipeg and I'm going to be crucified if I get this wrong. So I have to make sure I get this right called Nipawa. Mm -hmm. And one of the anchors couldn't get it right. 
It was just Nipawa, 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 over and over and over again. And finally, they settled on a version that was incorrect. And the mail came in. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just sort of, I, I very clearly remember it being kind of laughed off, you know, oh, those, you know, provincial Nipawans, what do they know, kind of a thing. But I think it's quite illustrative of the fact that how can you, you know, how can you produce a, a, a comprehensive news broadcast in a city that you don't know very much about? And it's not the producer's fault because they're parachuted into this very sort of precarious situation. So mispronunciations of places, yes. l- lack of context to kind of get, just get a place, uh, that's going to, you know, that's going to affect the coverage. I had been asked deliberately on the weekend to check the Sûreté de Québec's website and look for press releases and then run them through Google Translate. Right. My French is not good enough. Now, I mean, Google Translate is good in a pinch, but if you're producing a newscast where you need accuracy and verifiable information, you're trusting Google's algorithm? I mean, it's not – and it has gotten me into scrapes in the past. You know, there have been – you're you're feeding like news releases from the Montreal cops into Google Translate, and then exactly. that's and that's going out at eleven o'clock to Montreal Anglo viewers. You got it. Viewers. You got it. You write about technological glitches as well uh, that are actually kind of funny, and I kind of wish that this had been recorded somehow. On one recent summer weekend, a software update caused the playback machines to go completely bananas, spitting out random content into various cities across the country, including forcing viewers to watch an inexplicable live feed of CBS golf coverage instead of a local news item. Uh, You write about, you know, cities getting confused and conflated and just things getting – anchors getting confused, things going to places that they're not supposed to go. Um, Kind of a carnival, kind of a farce. I mean, when it was happening, it it was like, you know – Ball crushing terror. Every element of the newscast is pre-recorded. That means the 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 intro to the show where they do the headlines. Then they do the stand up at the beginning where they're standing beside the desk and they're like, "Hello, blah 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 blah." Everything is pre-recorded. All the bits that are supposed to be live are pre-recorded. So you have to keep track of all of these separate elements. In any one show, it could be 150 different elements. So, what if someone got a stain on their shirt or like their makeup or their hair changed? You go, you go in and do it again. If yeah. somebody notices, you go in and do it again. That's that's immediate. You have like a like continuity editor as if it was like a, you're filming a movie or something. So, there's a grid, a giant grid that controls all of the different elements of all of the different newscasts. And each newscast has its own grid. And so, you get in and you're staring at a grid with 150 items in it. And there's three of them. So, there's actually nearly 500 items you're looking at at one time. And a lot of them are really similar. They've got similar names or, you know, uh, 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 Winnipeg Snow Package 1 or whatever it is. And you constantly have to, like, and at any one point, you would have five or six of these grids open, and you are constantly throughout the day swapping material from one to another, and mistakes happen all the time. Yeah. So one thing that will happen with some frequency is that if this were a live show like normal, they could do it with one anchor. The reason they have two anchors is because they can get up to a little bit of editing and trickery to make it look live. Got to have something to cut to. You've got it exactly right. So... What will happen sometimes, though, is that let's say the anchor reads an intro for a story. She says, uh, there's a four-car pileup on uh, Auto Road to Carry today. Uh, two people were injured. Say that somebody gets that wrong uh, and they have to re-record it because there were three people injured. So they re-record it. They put it in the grid, right? 
However, if the next story also has the same anchor and there's no B-roll or visuals to cut to, you get this re- – it's like you're in fucking Looper or something. Yeah, because like you, you got get, a ping-pong Crystal yes. Anthony, Crystal yes. Anthony, so you, you go do Crystal Crystal, crystal, it's like, crystal and then it looks like like there's been a time rift. You know, it's just – it's weird and okay. it happens a lot. All right. You have established how maddening this must be. Yes. On you know news is a daily grind, especially daily news to come back and do it again, and come back and do it again at the best of times with the best resources. This sounds like just a nightmare from from the production standpoint. If there was any level of of mockery towards the anchors, I now you know apologize profusely now that I have some idea of what they go through sure, in a yeah. ten hour shift. It sounds horrible. Yeah, it's it's not fun. Um, put it that way. You, you've made a really strong case that this is like not a fun way to produce the news, and I think that with some you know reference to like pronunciation errors and the occasional glitcher or, you know, completely bananas catastrophe. This can be kind of like, there can be errors for the viewer. But I don't know. I'm going to ask the why should we care thing. Of course. It, 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 it's the like, I don't give, and I've taken criticism for not giving local news enough attention, enough credibility. Like, it's not the kind of thing that I typically get my back up about. No, absolutely. Um, I, that, that's a completely relevant uh, and, and, and But that's point. snobby, right? People get their information from these things. Um, uh, I, 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 I do wonder, though, how big a deal is this? I, you know, I think it really depends on how you look at it. Um, I think it's a mode of producing news that's certainly on its way out. I don't think in, in a decade we're going to be seeing people with with six figure salaries and nice suits telling you what's going on like i think that 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 mode of dispensing information mm-hmm. is is not sustainable but i think for a certain generation of people uh you know i'm i'm 40 this year i think for my my mom people her age in their 70s and their 60s they grew up on television news and it's really important to them and yeah. i think you know people watch it and global wouldn't be putting all of this enormous amount of effort into propagating the system if, if it wasn't getting any attention or eyeballs. Right? Well, they, they might. And actually, this is sort of another reason why you, why it might be kind of a big deal. Yeah. They have to do this. They do. You're absolutely correct. Right. Like, uh, And the reason why they have to do local news coverage is because they are broadcasting on public airwaves. They are. And the deal that we have with Global and with any TV broadcaster is like, here's some bandwidth. Here's some public airwave. There's not a lot of it. You can have a big chunk of it. You can make millions, millions and millions and millions. Like it is a very, you don't have to produce anything. Nope. Uh, you're buying the rights to American network shows, syndicated shows. You're airing this American stuff. You're selling local ads against it. It's still a very lucrative business doing that. And in exchange, you owe the public something. These are our airways. You got to do something that's good for us. And I guess for lack of a better idea, we still feel like the thing that they need to do that's good for us is they need to give us local news. I wonder, like, is the CRTC in on like like so? What is local news? If you're doing it, and you know, we 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 looked into there actually were some changes necessary to what CRTC considers local right. in order to even allow this to have occurred. Yeah, uh, and and I wonder what lobbying happened back behind the scenes because you know before these changes, you might not have been able to produce a Saskatoon newscast yeah. out of Toronto and call it local. Correct. I mean, listen, I, as a grunt, I wasn't privy to those sort of high-level discussions. But all I can really say is I did hear a, a considerable amount of uh, amount of grumbling over the years that I was there about 
global news's relationship with the CRTC. And the attitude always seemed to be, you know, how can we how can we sort of squeeze this through? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that really gets to the heart of why I decided to do this story because as you said, it's a social obligation they have to produce local news. Yeah, it's a formal social obligation. Absolutely. It's, a, it's a contractual obligation they have with the public. With And the fact that they're trying aggressively to do it in the most cynically slender way possible, I think, is what is most distasteful about yeah. the whole operation. Yeah, that to to take it down to its like what the bare product that you can call like, a newscast. You scraped the bottom of the barrel. Like you're seeing through to the other side of the barrel at this point. You know what I mean? There's like a few splinters remaining between you and the other side. So it's yeah. yeah. And you're going on the record with this, and I can appreciate any journalist who feels that they were party to some level of deceiving the public. It's sort of like antithetical to the job. Like, Absolutely. Telling the truth or just, I mean, look, Steve Faguet has been documenting this stuff for years. He has. Again, this is not an expose, but we've never had anybody who's involved in the production of it come forward and under their own name say, like, here's what I did. I don't feel great about it. Uh, is this, are you motivated purely from a desire to clear the record and broadcast the truth about how these non-live, non-local, local live newscasts are made? Uh, you are no longer in you, you, uh, the business, right? You've left. I, I pretty much transitioned. I mean, I'd like to like you know continue doing freelance stuff that I'm interested in, but in terms of so, what's your story I mean, with Global? How did you part ways with them? I started working there as a as a writer. That's what I was hired to do. Um, I was hired in 2012 as a lineup writer, which means I would come in, write the intros for the anchors for the five o'clock Toronto news. It was great. I really enjoyed it. The people were really nice. I was asked to start producing newscasts. This was when they started to implement uh, a software package called MossArt, which allows them to control cameras remotely and to do a lot of remote work. Mm -hmm. So that's when, that's how this whole sort of MMC concept thing sort of crystallized was it started with, they started replacing, they started centralizing production. So I would often produce the Winnipeg news from Toronto. That was my main sort of secondary gig. But then I was sort of unilaterally transferred to this new MMC department when it was created. And without naming names, uh, I think what started happening was there was a homophobic incident in the newsroom, what I considered to be homophobic. And when I it was involving one of the anchors. And when I requested a private meeting with my manager, basically my manager tried to tell me that what I interpreted as being homophobic was not, and that, you know, the anchor didn't really mean it. And can we just sort of settle this right here? I, you know, I was pretty shaken by it. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. It was a situation that involved this person basically engaging in uh, name calling and bullying while while they were miked, right? So the whole newsroom of 20 people plus however many people who are listening in heard it. To their credit, um, they were very apologetic. And I think, I, I, I genuinely think they, they didn't mean for the incident to be hurtful. But the fact that my manager was was insistent on the fact that I was in the wrong was, mm-hmm. was quite upsetting. The real problem started when I realized I was, and I don't know if it was deliberate or whether it was something that just sort of happened and then nobody bothered to fix it. 
was that I was being um, underpaid. And I had been underpaid for probably four out of the five years that I was there. So every year at Global that you work there, uh, you're entitled to a salary increase because you go from one union group to another, Yeah. right? So I would get small cost of living increases on my paycheck. Um, but for the entire duration that I was there, I was denied the bump that I would get in salary for moving up a union category. When I confronted them about this, um, my manager turned immediately hostile. Complicating the fact was the fact that Global had been sold from Shaw to Chorus in 2015. So she said, all those files are with Shaw. Uh, the issue is closed. The books are closed. There's no way we can access that information. This is your responsibility to look after. Uh, what does it say about you that you're not paying attention to these details? Mm -hmm. It was accusatory, inappropriate, and uh, demoralizing, really. Um, when an organization dedicates itself to tightening and tightening and tightening. Yeah. And like grinding forward, grinding forward, putting this out every day, finding ways to do it with less and less and less, to raise objections uh, with regards to the quality of the product, to raise objections that require more resource to be spent or the rules to be followed more diligently is to put yourself in opposition of where the big wheels are turning. This right? is this is exactly the... the and the individual yeah. gets ground down. Yeah. it's That's the position that I found myself in. And basically what happened was I was told after taking the issue to the union who, while I respect their efforts, really were of very little help. They basically told me because I was part-time, my rights were very limited and there wasn't very much. You were part-time throughout your five-year stint with them? Correct. Even though there were- 10-hour ten, ten a day shifts? Uh, yes. Uh -huh. So normally I was on 20 hours a week. But there were many, many weeks where I pulled 40 hours, 40 hours plus, yeah. uh, which is against the union regulations. Right, right. In addition, just one thing I'd also like to mention, during that 10-hour shift where you're staring at those grids, uh, breaks are heavily discouraged. And if you take a break and you record it as a paid break on your timesheet, which you're supposed to, you get a lot of pushback for that. So it was really eat at your desk, stare at your computer for 10 hours. That was the kind of environment it was. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear all this. It's sorry, you know, looking at, uh, you've got a reel online. It seems like you had ambitions to do more on camera work sure, to anchor yeah. yourself. And, you know, when you get into a situation like that, to even bring up the idea of advancing through the system, it's like, you're lucky to have a job, buddy. You know, uh, that becomes the attitude. I'll tell you what actually did happen was I, I managed to get a meeting with one of the senior managers and I was like, listen, I, you know, I, I'm not really a producer. I, I'm happy to have the work, but like my background is more in the creative end of the spectrum. Like I have on camera experience. Would you consider some opportunity for me? And he, he looked me right in the eye and he said, you know, Paul, sometimes you've got to make your own opportunities. And I still have no fucking idea what that means. <laughs> like I'm coming to, I'm asking, like I'm show I'm showing you my body of work. You're the man in control of the opportunities. You know, it was just, it was a really illuminating moment. Well, I don't know what your takeaway is or what they should do next, but m mine is kind of like the problem here is that 
everybody at a certain level is just dead set on continuing this dead, impossible thing. Yeah. Uh, there's better ways to disseminate information in a more timely and responsive way. It's called the internet, but this is a public concern because it's still it's still the CRTC's position that like this is what you pay back the public with is newscasts. Yes. New, and newscasts look a certain way and they feel a certain way. And if you can't do that, there's an archetype. There's a language to it. Find a way to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody's got to actually make that happen. Yeah. Uh, you are pouring an extraordinary quantity of resources, both physical and intellectual and emotional, into producing something that is not really what it seems, that is a, a reflection. It's a veneer. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a boondoggle. It's a make work. It is. Right? It's that, a Potemkin and village. And that, that's the part you know? that's really tragic is like, because, you know, to a young person who's like, I want to report the news and, and practice a trade that helps the world. It's like... And then you fast forward 10 years and yet there's so many stories like this. It's like that's that's a waste of human capital. I really get the impression that they're just going to say at one point, it's just not worth doing an 11 o'clock newscast anymore. Or let's just, let's just drop the concept entirely. Or somehow finding an even more uh, rigorous technological system to force even more savings out of it. I mean like I don't know how much farther they can go and still have humans involved. You know what I mean? Like there's a limit. <laughs> and and yet it still costs millions of dollars a year it in, does, in, yeah. in, in a country that is being underreported. You might think if you were – if there was some centralized budget for just journalism, it, it could be much better spent than having three competing networks putting out three competing newscasts twice a night. Here's an interesting thing. I've heard that – I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that CP24 is the most watched newscast in the country by far. And I think why it is, is that it's aggressive, deeply reported local news that's breaking constantly and they're on it, right? Any newsroom, this is a, this is an open, it's not a secret. I mean, any newsroom you work in will have CP24 on somewhere, right? Because they're the standard. And I think that's what makes me most uncomfortable about this is the fact that, you know, municipal politics control people's lives directly. It's the garbage pickup. It's the mosquito fogging. Yeah. And if you're not covering it, what's the point? You know, if you're, if you're just making this make-believe, that's really just a, a diminutive version of what it really should be. Why are you going through all this effort? You know, it's, it, it's, it's very cynical and it's very depressing, really. It's just there's not a lot that's redeeming about it, I suppose. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Hey, quick update on today's show. We wanted to get Global's side of the story, and they gave it to us. They gave it to us a little bit too late for us to include it on today's podcast. But if you're interested in reading our interview with Global's Senior Vice President of News, Radio, and Station Operations, Troy Reeb, we have posted that Q&A on our website at canadalandshow.com. Check it out. That is your Canada Land Show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me about it. I am at jesse at canadalandshow.com and I read everything you send me. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. I will tell you again and again to listen to Taste Buds. The first season of our food show is out in full. Five delightful episodes. Subscribe to the show. You will not be disappointed. It's wonderful. This episode of Canada Land is produced by Ellen Payne-Smith. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. After Labor Day, Canada Land is back on its regular schedule of two episodes a week, and Oppo and Commons are returning as well. And I think we are going to make another Wag the Dug. Syndication of Canada Land is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. If you like this show, please support us at patreon.com slash Canada Land.